Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Chloe Styler was a Star Maker Grand Finalist in 2020. Not long after she released her first single, Patient Heart, she has now released an EP called Side A. And we're going to talk about it. Hi, Chloe. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Had a lovely time listening to the EP, which contains two acoustic versions of two of the tracks that are on it. So it's like bonus tracks on the EP. Um, So how long have you been working on Side A? It has been... Honestly, four or five years in the making, if we're also including the writing process. So Where We Stand, which is track number five, was written in 2017. And um, then we started recording in 2020 and it got mastered in January 2021. And then we just sat with it because we all know what happened. So I just I didn't want to rush it. I didn't know what to do with it. And um, I'm I'm glad it's finally out because it has been a while. Yeah, it's a big decision, I, I would imagine, for you as an artist to have invested all that time and money because you're an independent artist and um, and um, knowing that what you had and mm. uh, and also, I guess, moving on with your life and, and wanting to create new songs. So uh, were there times when frustration threatened to get the better of you? Yeah, this year has been really hard, um, harder than 2020 for me um, because coming out of uh, the situation that we were all in and, and finally having an kind of an open playing field it was really hard to get gigs it was really difficult to um find motivation it was really difficult to have self-confidence mm-hmm. um I really struggled this year and I'm not afraid to say it um it was really hard <laughs> but yeah. from about August onwards I've you know started slowly feeling better um and feeling more confident in in what I was doing and I felt finally confident enough to release the EP I had already been teasing singles so Mm-hmm. Consider Me Gone was released a whole year ago, which is track one on the EP, but I just didn't know when to release the EP or if I was even going to release it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm glad I finally got there because I know that it's a great body of work. I'm so proud of it. And to have it out on Spotify and Apple Music as an EP is just great. Yeah, I'm glad you got there as well because um, it is a it is a great body of work. Uh, when you talked about your self confidence, was that because you weren't performing, so you just you felt like you couldn't play, you didn't want to play gigs in support of the EP if you put it out? You just took the words right out of my mouth. I didn't have any gigs booked. Uh, I lost a sense of direction as well. So um, not having gigs for so long and not having uh, specific things to look forward to and plan for, it then lost the future of that. So then I didn't have direction. Um, and I just many mental breakdowns later and crying to my family and, and just having a support network was really helpful. And uh, I distribute through MGM distribution and they were really great uh, sounding boards. And I just, I just needed advice. I just needed uh, guidance, I suppose. And I got there. <laughs> yeah. And I guess part of what someone who doesn't perform music wouldn't mm. realize is that it's, it's very difficult to go from nothing to a performance level where you can support an EP. So when you're performing a lot of gigs, it's a bit of momentum, you know, mm. you may not need to rehearse that often because you're playing a lot of gigs. And mm. then with, with, even though you're in Queensland, 
things were difficult there as well. It wasn't like it was some paradise of live music that the rest of the country didn't have. It was definitely, uh, we were very fortunate in Queensland, um, but, yeah, it, it was very hit or miss. You could have a gig booked and it could be cancelled, just pulled out from underneath you. So, um, yeah, not having that stability was really difficult. And And then this year there was gigs and then it was almost like, did you want to trust it? Did you did you want to believe that those gigs were going to happen? I, I got to play Suncorp Stadium earlier this year with my band. We played the pregame entertainment for a Broncos game, and it was wow. incredible. But the whole week leading up to it, I wasn't even nervous for the gig. I was more nervous that it wasn't going to happen. Right. And that was what I was, like, fighting against, the fact that is this even really going to happen? Like, what an incredible opportunity for me. I really hope it happens. Like, that's all that was going through my head. It happened and it was amazing and it was just like the best thing ever. Um, and yeah, but that's, I suppose we're probably all in the same boat. We're all hopefully feeling better about that now because we have a bit more stability, but those first few months were really quite strange. Yeah. We're, at the time we're speaking, it's not long after the Taylor Swift ticket debacle in the United mm. States. And there's been a lot of stuff coming out about how this is, this is partly because Everyone's been starved of live music. Yeah, there was a great demand to see anyone live, but also just the systems are really, really rusty. And I think that's partly what you're describing is that not being able to trust that it would happen. I don't know that that will go away for artists for a while. I don't think so. I've been seeing a lot of stuff online, you know, artists way more established than I who have had a really long-standing career in the Australian music industry are even expressing concern about it and that they just can't afford to tour. They have to cancel their tour because... They cannot afford the even like the flights or something like that. And things are just really difficult. Um, so that will be really interesting to see how we all navigate that over the next, I suppose, 12 months or more. Yeah, because the paradox, of course, is that, that people rely on music to make them feel better about yes. everything. Yeah, we love entertainment. Music is a is a reprieve and a release and all sorts of things. But we'll go back to talking about your music. <laughs> um, so you just so at what point did you decide that you'd release the EP now? I think it was around about August, September. Okay. Yeah, I, I got in touch with my graphic designer and I was like, hey, I think I might be releasing an EP. Maybe just whip something up just in case. And then, yeah, then MGM were on board and, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked, finally stoked because it's just started the process. I have a lot, a lot more to come. Yeah, because the songs are really thoughtful and quite deep in some in some ways but they're also upbeat in their musical tone so I guess at this time of year in Australia spring summer it is a really good time to release it yeah thank you I was a bit nervous about November because there's all the Christmas releases as well um but honestly I didn't really have another option because I didn't get my act together quick enough (laughs) (laughs) so there's a side A I'm presuming there is a side B as well you would be presuming right there is a side B it will be coming out next year I don't know exactly when, but I can definitely guarantee there will be, it'll just be a process of getting some singles out first and then the EP probably mid to like mid late next year. And is it side A and side B because you are a fan of vinyl? Yes, it is because I would really like to make merchandise and do a side A, side B vinyl and call it like a double EP or whatever to call it. But that is the plan is to print it on vinyl. Yeah. And so just out of curiosity, would you include the two acoustic versions on the vinyl or are they just bonus extras for people listening online? Oh, you are putting me on the spot. (laughs) I actually haven't even thought about that. My marketing brain should be all over that, but I probably would leave them as just a little bonus online. Mm. 
Yeah, because, you know, it makes for a seven-track EP, but, you know, five tracks is good for a vinyl side. (laughs) (laughs) But you worked with um, producer Andy Mack for this. Now Andy has produced the McClymonts amongst other Mm -hmm. artists. So how did you come to choose him as your producer? It was quite easy, really. He is also Vera Blue's producer, and I'm a very big fan of her style and her music, and she released a song called All of Pretty Girls, and that just that's hands down one of my favorite songs in the whole world of all time and I went to the songwriting credits found his name and was like well obviously (laughs) obviously I have to work with him and I I just contacted him and voila well we you know we started talking in about January 2020 and that didn't last very long and then you know we had plans to start around April or March April I think it was and we had to put that on pause but we did end up recording in July of 2020 I went down to the central coast when the borders reopened and we tracked at the Grove Studios so that was really amazing we did it with a live band and I had some amazing uh, musicians so Andy played bass and piano Mm -hmm. and I had Harry Day from the band Middle Kids on drums and Sam Telford who is an incredible songwriter he was on guitars so yeah it was just a very collaborative process and almost just a no-brainer like I had to work with Andy <laughs> in my brain was just like that's the only option and I'm so glad I did because he just completely understood my sound and where, where I wanted to go with with the music and it is an advantage of being an independent artist that you can make those choices and I think that part of what's so interesting about Australian music at the moment particularly in country and adjacent genres is that artists are choosing their producers and the music that that's resulting is something that the artist's feel that they've been consulted on, that they've collaborated with the producer to make, and that's just a better overall result. Yeah, I felt really respected and heard throughout the whole process. So if I had any mixed notes or any, oh, I don't really like that instrument or something, I I totally felt heard, which is just a really nice feeling in a room full of experts and, you know, like people that do it for a living. Just to put my little voice in there, it, it was nice. Well, and as the creator, you should have your voice in there. Well, I totally agree. But, you know, there's people that don't. And uh, as, as an independent artist, I do have that luxury of, of doing those things and putting my, putting my foot forward and saying, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> I mean, there was really nothing I didn't know about. It was all amazing and I'm so happy with it. Now, the EP was partially funded by the City of Gold Coast and Arts Queensland through the Regional Arts Development Fund. And sometimes I think artists aren't often aware that these sorts of funds exist or these grants exist. So Mm. how did you find out about this one? I am the biggest advocate of funding and the Regional Arts Development Fund, especially because it's for regional areas. So although people may not realise the Gold Coast is classified as regional, so we have the ability of applying for Regional Arts Development Fund through different streams. We have Activate Music, Activate Arts and small grants. And this was through Activate Arts, which is just an incredible initiative through the City of Gold Coast and Arts Queensland um, to support us, to help us get our projects underway this honestly would not have happened without them because I just couldn't afford it as an independent artist. And um, they are, they just cheer on all the Gold Coast artists and they try their hard, their, their best to, to support all of us in any capacity. So I found out about it through word of mouth and mm-hmm. I genuinely, I can still remember COVID had started and the world had gone to sleep and I was sitting on the couch at my mum and dad's house when I still lived there. And I was so 
like in despair because I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this album now. I have no income coming in. I'm um, EP and I, I just can't do it. And then I got an email and I read it and had been granted the grant. And I just burst into tears. It was just the mo- like, I've got goosebumps telling you this story because it was just the most incredible moment for me as an independent artist to have that support from my, from my town, from my home that I grew up in. So yeah, I'm a, the biggest advocate. If anybody is in a regional area, look up Regional Arts Development Fund. It is the best. Yeah, I think my, pretty much all the states and territories would have yeah. this. So it's just not necessarily well communicated, which is partly why I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah, I will talk about it any day. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, the songs on the EP are partly about heartbreak, um, but they're also clearly about you stating who you are and what's important to you, which I thought was a really great angle to take on the lyrics because it was just it was making boundaries clear it was all the sorts of things that I think young people should do and older people as well and we haven't done it earlier in our lives but I'm wondering if the songwriting process actually helped you sort out some of that well thank you that's really nice I like to hear people's thoughts and interpretations of the lyrics um definitely songwriting helps me process all of my thoughts and it's sort of like therapy for me um I did go through a breakup at the end of 2019 and that really helped write some of the songs. So Consider Me Gone, Loving You, pretty much all of them were all about it and um, no ill feeling toward that guy. It's just my way of coping and uh, definitely recommend it for anybody that hasn't tried because songwriting is very therapeutic. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, as I said, the angle was interesting because it wasn't, it wasn't the, oh, woe is me, you know, I'm heartbroken, this has happened, boo-hoo, you know, regret and longing. There was a bit of regret in there, not so much longing. And I did think it was interesting that it was, it was a clear statement of, no, this is what I want. And that was not it. And uh, so for you as as an adult going forward, you've set that up for yourself. And I think it's really valuable for other people to hear it. Thank you. I I think you may also be referring to girlfriend because I have yes. set these boundaries in girlfriend. And I wrote that with Sarah Buckley from the Buckleys. And honestly, I had been single for a few months and I was like, this is just not it. I don't enjoy guys my age. Mm-hmm. Not fun. Because you know, they they have they have very strange ideas of what a girl may may want. And after zooming with Sarah and writing the song and setting those boundaries in a song, I actually then set them in my life. And right. I yeah it actually yeah turned into how I live my life and even in terms of just relationships with other people not necessarily intimate relationships uh, with a partner it's just no you should have your self-worth and you should you should know what you do and don't like and and stick with it and it's hard you know setting boundaries is a bit odd you don't often do it but listen to girlfriend and maybe it'll help you <laughs> I thought that was a bit of it and consider me gone as well it was basically yeah. like you're pushing me this far and that's and then that's and I it. can't have it anymore yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you yeah. Um, so when did you start writing songs all, you know, in total in your life? When did you start? When I was 15. I picked up a guitar at 13 and I self-taught myself thanks to YouTube. And that was around the same time that Taylor Swift's Speak Now album came out. I just adore that whole record. I adore her so much. And I just think she's the most phenomenal songwriter. And yeah, I think it was about 15. I started trying my hand at songwriting I will not be showing anybody those first songs. They were not good, but that's not the point. You know, you got to write a hundred bad songs to get one good one. And um, I stuck with it. And I didn't really think I was going to be a musician, like trying to work in the industry until probably 17 in year 12, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do 
after school. So I started studying music at university and I didn't really actually vibe that. Uh, I felt like I, I could do something else with my time and also then like uh, chase music with more of my time if that makes sense so I did journalism right. and business at university right. and business has helped me because my major was marketing but all along I've always stuck with my music and it's always come back to my music and songwriting and literally at the heart of it I'm a songwriter I like to just tell stories and connect with people through songs so if I can I will <laughs> did studying journalism have any detrimental effects on your songwriting in that it was trying to teach you to write in a certain way about certain mm. things. I've never been asked that question before. Um, I don't think so. I don't know why I studied journalism. I I, I should have studied creative writing because I was interested in becoming a publisher and I studied journalism, which I can understand why I went down that route, but I, it just didn't help. <laughs> um, I, I don't think so. I, Honestly, it's helped because I can write a press release and right. I can do all of those things and help myself in that regard as a as a business owner, I suppose, and a musician. So it didn't stump my songwriting, but I don't know if it benefited my songwriting. <laughs> it's <kind laughs> Sometimes it's, you know, if you're taught to write in a certain way, yeah, make you start to think, oh, that's the way I should write and sentence construction. All totally understand things. what you're saying. Yeah, it, it could have, but I'm very lucky that it didn't. Yeah, (laughs) and now as I mentioned at the top you were in Star Maker grand final in 2020 what was that process like for you because it looks quite I was at the final this year in Tamworth and I was like wow this is full on you know this you've got to perform twice and you've already been through this process where they're interviewing you and asking all these questions because it's not for complete beginners it's for artists who are are at a certain point in their careers it is full on uh perfect wording it's full on but it's challenging in a really good way so you get a lot of experience really quickly and um getting to play with that band it's it's amazing and on a stage like that is you don't often come by that as an artist still emerging um so I'm really thankful for that opportunity I was also a finalist in 2018 oh I did not read that in your (laughs) surprise I was also a finalist then um and it, I learned a lot. So doing it in 2018, I was very fresh and I was still blonde and I was a whole different person. And then doing it two years later, I felt I had a lot more confidence. And I do attribute that to 2018 Star Maker. And coming off, off the back of 2018, I got to play Denny Ute Master, Gimpy Master. Um, I've lost thought now. Country on Keppel, uh, Country Rocks. Like I got to play a, real, a really cool list of festivals and I honestly think that that's to do with Star Maker. So, um, yeah, I'm really thankful for it. 2020 was another level. I had a lot more confidence on stage, but I was still so nervous. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like competitions. I don't know why I entered it because I don't do well with competitions. But I'm really proud of myself because I still did it. And I I think that some of my fans are still ones who saw me perform at Star Maker. So, yeah, it, it's an incredible opportunity. And, of course, there were no festivals you could have played after the 2021. <laughs> um, but speaking of festivals, there's my segue. Tamworth is coming up. So do yes, you have plans? I will be coming to Tamworth. I'm so excited. I wasn't able to make the rescheduled dates this year. So I haven't been to Tamworth since 2020. And I uh, there's a few things I've got planned. I don't know if I can even say them because they haven't been announced. That sounds so silly. But I, I'm not sure if I can, so I won't. But I do have quite a few uh, fun things planned. 
I used to do a crazy number of gigs, like 15 gigs. I don't know who told me that that was a good idea. My brain did, but it (laughs) wasn't smart. So I've I've capped it at five this year, um, which I'm really quite excited about because then I can go and see my friends play and catch up with people I haven't seen in three years. Yeah, and it'll be good for your voice as well. Yes, um, definitely. So in, in the meantime, people can listen to Side A and we will listen out for Side B next year. Chloe, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.